0: Well, good morning, Church of the Cross. Last week, I was at your sister church, uh, Christ Church, and so I had to make sure I said Church of the Cross and not Christ Church because that would be like calling your kids different names. Y'all have never done that before, right? Call your kids out of their names. I, I told my mom, I said, I don't understand how you can't figure out our names. And now that I have two kids, I do that all the time. So... Uh, it is a blessing to be here, thankful for your rector, Peter, and their community, uh, family being on sabbatical at this time, and thankful to um, be here to minister the word of God with you all today. Uh, I am so used to reading the scripture before I preach it, that I'm going to read the scripture um, before I <laughs> preach it. I know that it's been read, but it just gives me uh, the foundation to to be able to, to uh, know what I'm saying is... What was in the book. So I'm going to read uh, Philippians 2:19 through 30 in uh, the NIV as well, and then I'll share what the Lord has laid on my heart to share today. So Paul is writing, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not for those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son was uh, with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel and I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. Say that fast three times. Um, My brother, my coworker and fellow soldier who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. When they asked me to send a quote for the cover of the bulletin, I thought, wow, this is cool. Um. And so the quote I sent is what I want to start with today. And it says, gospel partnership is a team sport. Not one person is transformed alone. If you think about how you got in this room today, it was not the result of one person's impact on your life. It was the result of teamwork, making the dream work. It was the result of gospel partnership working in a team sport mentality. Now, growing up, I played football, baseball, basketball. I ran cross country and track Uh, Three miles, two miles, one miles were my distances. I did not have fast twitch muscles like most African-Americans. I was a distance runner. And I, I wasn't always the best player on the team, but I was often on the best team. I knew how to play my role, whether it was to be a pinch hitter and a base runner or to be a bench player on the basketball team playing defense and getting the ball to shooters who could shoot. I learned early on that teams win when everyone plays their part. There were times where I didn't get to play at all, but I knew how to scream, I knew how to yell, I knew how to distract the pitcher. You know, Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter to Philippi. And he understood that the gospel would not be spread by his gifts and talents alone. And Paul is probably one of the most gifted people we read about in the gospel. He needed to engage in gospel partnership. So he opens the book with the communication of this value in Philippians chapter 1, 4 through 5, where he says, in all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to come to church and the rector say, I praise God every time I pray about you because you partner with me in the gospel. Wouldn't it be awesome to be able to go back to the places where you've been in ministry or the places where you've served, the schools where your kids go, where uh, the, 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 the grocery store where you shop. And they say, man, I thank God every time I see you because it's a pleasant experience. It's so easy to embrace the rugged individualism of our day and put all the pressure on one or two people to get the work of ministry done. Paul says in verse 22, for everyone looks out to their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. And in a country that has a number of mega churches and celebrity preachers, it's important that we not buy into this lie. This weekend in our nation, we celebrate our independence from Britain, but as a body of Christ, we need to continue to live out a declaration of interdependence when it comes to the spreading of the gospel. In today's passage, we see four themes that I would like to highlight as we discuss the gospel partnership, a team sport. And the first one is accurate identification. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, accurate identification. If you're not taking notes, you can think about accurate (laughs) identification. Paul was a really good judge of character and gifting when it came to the gospel partnership. He knew those that labored among him, as he wrote in 2 Thessalonians 5 and 12. He saw Timothy and he enlisted his gifts of pastoral and administrative leadership. He mentioned how Timothy would show genuine concern for the community and their welfare. He even looked at his family history, including his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. You see that in 2 Timothy 1 and 5 when he encourages him to stir up the gift that is within him. And having served as a church planner, a staff pastor, a life coach, I spent a lot of time helping people be positioned in ministry roles based on who God has created them to be. I recently finished a book that I wrote called Prioritize for Your Purpose, Ordering Your Life to be Extraordinary. We have a whole section in there called Knowing Yourself because oftentimes people try to do something outside of who they've been created to be. Rick Warren refers to this description of our wiring as our shape. It's an acronym for our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, our experiences. God gives us spiritual gifts in our new birth. Uh, where we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to love God and to serve others through the gifts that are given. And those are given for the body of Christ. God gives us this heart or this passion for things that keep us up at night, that wake us up in the morning. And often those passions grow as we grow and they change as we change. We all have abilities. Some of them are natural based on who we are. Some of you all have been leaders your entire life. On the playground, you said, let's go here. And they went there. (laughs) Some of you all have been speakers your entire life. Like myself, you got ends in school for talking too much in class. God was developing your spiritual gift. Some have the abilities that have been based on education and or experience. Engineers don't become engineers as children, but they have engineering properties as children. Okay, my daughter, to this day, three years old, I'm in the kitchen cooking She's under a table hitting it with a hammer. I don't know that she's gonna be an engineer. I don't know that she's gonna be a mechanic, but I got a feeling tools will be a part of her life. And here's the joy we have as parents, is just like spiritual leaders are called to engage in accurate um, identification or accurate um, yeah, identification of the gifts, we as parents have that responsibility as well. The Bible says, raise up your children, and they'll train up your children in the way they should go, and when they get old, they will not depart. Now, I grew up thinking that meant if you raise your kids in church, they stay in church, but we know anecdotally that is not true. What it means is that the way that they have been wired will not change. My wife often looks at my oldest daughter, who's a lot like me, and says, man, she talks a lot. I'm like, that's who God created her to be, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so my job is not to make her be quiet. My job is to nudge her towards how to use her voice for the voiceless. How to use her voice to speak on behalf of God. We all have a personality, the way that our, the lens through which our purpose is lived out. An outgoing, extroverted leader looks different than a reserved, introverted leader. But both of them lead, but it looks differently. Our experiences frame our purpose in ways that many often overlook. Our positive and painful experiences often inform and inspire what we feel called to do. I've never met met a counselor who didn't first have to go through counseling. I've met few doctors who haven't been in the hospital. It's something about our pain that positions us for purpose. It's something about the positive things in our lives that give us a nudge towards what we're called and created to do. And so we need to embrace what Ephesians 2 and 10 says. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do, but we need to do that within the context of Ephesians 4 11 through 16, where the offices of the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers are equipping God's people for the work of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up into the unity of Christ. Our gifts can work outside of the body, but they cannot fully thrive as intended outside of the body. You can't take all this stuff God gave you and just put it out into the world. Some of it needs to be used up in here, up in here. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes God is calling you to take a spiritual gift of discernment and use that at work to know who to hire and who to fire. Sometimes he might call you to tap into an employee resource group on your job and be salt and light in a dark, bland world. So we need to pray for those in spiritual leadership to have wisdom and insight to accurately identify and place people in places where they can thrive, and pray that they can make mid-game adjustments. One of the biggest challenges coaches have is going in with their game plan, and as the game changes, not making adjustments. And sometimes as spiritual leaders, that's one of the biggest things we can do. Have you ever fired a volunteer? It's hard to fire people you don't pay. But I'm gonna tell you how you do it. I've done it a number of times. This is how you do it. Say you know what? I've been looking at the ways that you've been serving in our ministry, and I greatly appreciate it, but I feel like what we've asked you to do is limiting for you. I mean, you can do a lot more than this. I mean, why would we keep you in this area when you could thrive over here? I'm not saying you can't do this. I'm just saying you would really be great at this. I'm not saying you're not helping us here, but man, you could really bless us here. What do you think about making a transition to another place in ministry? They just got fired. (laughs) But they feel good about it. Because I was using my gift of diplomacy that God has given me. So we have the accurate identification. But secondly, you want to have appropriate affirmation. Appropriate affirmation. Every person needs appropriate affirmation of the gifts and the abilities that God has given them. Along with the work that they have done. Personal security in the leader gives the confidence to affirm others. Verse 22 Paul says, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Verse 25, he says, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, coworker, fellow soldier. These are all words of affirmation. He says, he's your messenger. Uh, you sent him to take care of my needs. All of this is appropriate affirmation. So Paul spoke of Epaphroditus in affirming terms. He was affirming someone other than himself when it came to the partnership in the gospel. We can discover gifting through assessments and experiences, but part of the beauty of the body of Christ is to see gifts and abilities affirmed by others in the body of Christ. I mean, there's nothing like someone affirming someone's hospitality in a small group or someone affirming someone else's gift of service as they set up or break down on a Sunday service. There's nothing like hearing someone affirm another's heart for prayer and intercession as they see that heart uh, intercede on behalf of another. God has placed us in the body of Christ so we can all work together and affirm the role that others play in the body. So I encourage you to find yourself looking for ways to affirm your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ as they faithfully serve. And if you can't find something good to say about their service, find something good to say about them. The power of our tongue to push somebody up is an invaluable resource that we do not take advantage of in the body of Christ as much as we could. So I challenge you, look for something good and then say something about it. People think that folks in leadership get affirmed all the time. The reality is most people criticize. They don't affirm. The squeaky wheel gets the attention. And so people say all the time, oh, he knows he did a great job. He doesn't know he did a great job. Unless you tell him he did a great job. People have no idea how hard Monday is for people in ministry. Because they're playing things over in their minds. Did I say it the right way? Did we hit the right note? Did we do the right thing? Did we edit it right? Did we the enemy loves to come back on the back end. But if there's a brother or sister who said, you know, I really appreciate what you did today to serve us. I really appreciate the way that you stepped up in the midst of this situation. It adds value to the body of Christ. Appropriate affirmation. As you as a parent are looking at your kids, Find things about them you can affirm. It's easy as a parent to focus on what they aren't doing instead of thinking about what they are doing. I know I had to tell you three times to do it, but thank you for doing it. I know I had to ask you to wake up six times. Thank you for getting dressed faster than normal. It's something about affirming what we want that gets what we need down the road. The third area I want to talk about in this whole gospel partnership team sport is timely confirmation. Timely confirmation is a gift that a leader can provide to those who are serving to confirm that they are doing what God has called them to do and being who God has created them to be in that season. Throughout Scripture, we see various examples where followers of God or Christ are wondering if they are on the right track, and God confirms their direction through a prophet or through a spiritual leader. In this passage, Paul gives timely confirmation of the commitment of Epaphroditus. I mean, some of the saints in Philippi may have questioned his desire to be with the church based on the fact that he went to be with Paul in Rome and he hadn't yet returned. <clears throat> they may have thought that his care for them had been transformed or transferred completely to Paul because of who Paul is. They're thinking, he done went and hung out with Paul. He don't want to come back to us. He got the big head now. You know, he done moved to the big city. But Paul uses his apostolic influence in this season to provide timely confirmation of the commitment that Epaphroditus has. In verse 26 through 28, it says, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and he almost died, but he's worried about y'all. God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that... When you see him again, you may be glad, but I'll have less anxiety, because I need you to know that Epaphroditus loves you. Paul used his voice to speak on behalf of another to help the community re-embrace Epaphroditus when he came back. How many times are we the setup hitter for the person that's about to hit a home run? God may be positioning us to say something good about somebody, before they get in their role so that people will respond to them in their leadership. And the final area here is um, lasting transformation. Lasting transformation. Verse 29 through 30 says, so then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. When a community of faith has accurate identification of gifts, appropriate affirmation, and timely confirmation, it leads to lasting transformation. You hear how I did that right there? Yeah, yeah. It's called English. AP, English. Okay. <clears throat> when a community of faith has accurate identification of gifts, appropriate affirmation, and timely confirmation, it leads to transformation. Healthy communities produce healthy Christ followers. It is natural and normal for healthy things to grow but it is possible to grow by infection. I've seen boils on people that I don't want to see on this whole pimple popper show. (laughs) The bigger it gets is not always the better. Things that grow healthy are as a result of a healthy environment. I call it the greenhouse effect. I say, if my wife is thriving, it's because I, as her husband, have created a greenhouse effect. I've created an environment where she feels safe and secure to take risks, where she feels confident that if she tries and fails, I'll still be there. And that gives her the confidence to go for it. Our kids are in the same way. They don't know they can fail yet because we haven't told them they can We've given them a safe place to try, and that leads to lasting transformation. Epaphroditus was an example of what the community of faith at Philippi could produce in Christ's followers. And often we don't see the long-term transformation due to transitions based upon the transient lifestyles that we live in the 21st century. But trust me, it is happening. I call it the ripple effect. Someone may be here at Church of the Cross for a season. As God has placed them in the city due to their work or family, but as they stay in this community of faith, they come to trust God more and develop gifts that God has given them. And they find security and safety in a small group or a ministry team. And then they relocate because of a life situation like an aging parent. The church they attend next gets a more developed believer in Christ who is ready and able to serve based on who God created them to be. You know, for nine years, my wife and I Planet Full Life Community Church in Pflugerville, Texas, and many of the people who attended the church came after having experienced significant church hurt. They had been hurt by a pastor or people where they attended, and when they came to Full Life, they trusted that we would not hurt or abuse them based upon what they knew about our backgrounds. So we noticed that many would heal and leave. They would heal and leave. And for a long time, we wondered, Why is this trend continuing? Why is there just as big of a back door as there is a front door? Why wouldn't they help us stay and help us build? And as our church came to a close in 2019, I realized that God had made us a church that was a hospital and not a home. People don't go to the hospital to stay. They go to the hospital to get better so they can go home. Our role was to help people heal so they could go to their new home and not hurt other people. So as I look across the landscape of our community, I can now see these people adding value in so many ways. We served our purpose and they are now serving theirs. So when we're engaged in accurate identification, appropriate affirmation, timely confirmation, that leads to lasting transformation. You may not know it until you get to heaven that the person you loved at work came to faith three years later, raised a family of believers that are spreading the gospel throughout the world, it's the ripple effect. And whether the body of Christ wins, and that's what matters the most. We can get more done in the body if we don't worry about who gets the credit. If we don't worry about who has the most players on their team, if we don't worry about whose branding is better or whose podcast has the most <laughs> listens or downloads, the key is... Healthy people producing healthy people. So that over time, we all can be like Epaphroditus. People who can go where God sends us and return in love. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your team. And the gospel partnership is a team sport. God, it's not something that we can do in and of ourselves. We are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it. Some of us serve as a hand, some of us serve as an eye, some of us serve as an ear, some of us serve as a foot, some of us are kidneys and liver and hearts that people never see but are so vital. God, would you allow each of us to do what you created us to do out of who you created us to be, and as a result, with the body of Christ, continue to grow, and we see your team winning ultimately, where your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.